Happy Father's Day. Um, so my son uh, tried to child guilt me into wearing this button while I preached today <laughs> and is so angry that I have taken it off. I waited till I walked up here so he couldn't tackle me <laughs> as I was taking this off um, because uh, so it's it's not just uh, cheesy that he would make me wear this the whole time. Uh, what I've just been thinking all morning is, um, it's just not true. We share the best dad ever. Maybe today is hard for you because you had a dad who was really far from what you thought would be best. Or maybe if you're like most dads, you think you're really far from the best dad ever because you're really aware of how you have fallen short. And I just can't think of a more appropriate morning that we just celebrated the goodness of our Heavenly Father. On my worst days as a dad and my most disappointed days as a son, He is good. And His goodness has been pursuing me in my failures and the inherited failures of the generation before me. He's good. Bless His name. And the best thing we could do today is to sing of the goodness of God. But that's not what we're going to talk about this morning. That was just how I was Jesus juking the button off of my chest. <laughs> I actually want to talk to you this morning about atychophobia. Curious if you suffer from atychophobia. It's not the fear of addicts or the fear of ticks. Uh, 31% of American adults uh, struggle with atychophobia, which is fear of failure, which means the other 69% are lying to themselves. So atychophobia is not the normal or uh, rational fear of, of failure. It's, it's uh, oppressive and, and an aggressive fear of failure. 31%, that's a lot of people, right? That's a large percentage of people that's just shy of the number one fear. Every time this research done uh, is done, it shows that the number one fear of people is the fear of public speaking. And the number two is consistently the fear of death, which means most people would rather die than get up and talk in front of people. <laughs> number three uh, on most of these surveys of greatest fears uh, is fear of spiders, um, so in, in honor, there, there's your button, <laughs> uh, worst fear ever. Uh, yeah, fear of spiders. And then there's a tickophobia, this fear of failure that on some level I think affects us all. I think specifically most men tend to silently, uh, here on Father's Day, we recognize a lot of men silently struggle with this fear of failure. 49, in this same research, 49% of Americans said that the fear of failure either kept them from reaching their goals or even revisiting their goals. Like, how are you doing with reaching your goals? I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> they didn't even want to revisit the conversation. Clearly, this fear of failure is a big deal. And I, I actually find some comfort in the fact that it's, it's so widespread and so common because what that means is both believers and unbelievers have a lot of the same questions. Right? Am, am I going to make it? Am I going to fail? Am I going to win? Am I, am I going to get to the other side of this? Both believers and unbelievers have the same questions. We just arrive at very different answers. 
Right? People far from God would answer the question of, am I going to make it? Am I going to fail? Am I going to win or not? They would answer it this way. The, the, the key to success, the, the key to not failing is this. Work hard and believe in yourself. This is the central message of the culture at large today. You don't want to fail? Work hard and believe in yourself. We might have the same questions, but I believe we offer a very different answer to how do we make it? How do we get to the other side? So grab your Bible, please, if you would, this morning. If you don't have a Bible, there is one underneath the seat in front of you. Uh, If you're a guest today, we're going to invite you to join with us in our tradition. We hold up our Bibles and say a creed together before we dive in. That's not where you're at in your journey today. Don't feel any pressure to lie in church this morning. But this is our declaration from our hearts this morning. Let's say this together. The Bible is the word of God. The truth of the Bible will change my life. Lord, open my heart and awaken my mind and give me grace to respond. Change me for your glory and my joy. Amen. We're going to be in Psalm 73 this morning. It's page 455 if you're using one of those Bibles from the seat in front of you. Page 455, Psalm 73. While you're turning there, let me do a quick review as we're continuing in our summer series called But God. And this idea uh, for, for this sermon series is not just but God experiences or but God moments where life looks one way and then God shows up. It's actually uh, passages of scripture where the text literally talks about one reality and then says, but God, we talked about one of those experiences uh, our very first week as Lance kicked us off talking about the idea that families are dysfunctional. And specifically, he kind of zeroed in on the life of Jacob and the tension with his brother Esau and the tension between his parents, Isaac and Rebecca, a really dysfunctional family. But he just moved forward in the life of Jacob's story and he finds himself in another dysfunctional moment a couple chapters later in Genesis chapter 31. And what he says to his wife in that moment as he faces another dysfunctional moment is, but God, the God of my father has been with me. Families are dysfunctional, but God is present and he's in the business of redeeming our pain and writing a new story. The second week of this series, uh, Trevor was in Psalm 49 talking about a topic that is not necessarily one that we want to talk about, the inevitability of death. Life is guaranteed for all of us in the human experience to eventually have an expiration date. It's the common denominator for all people who aren't named Jesus the Christ. And yet that's not the end of the story because Psalm 49 verse 15 says, But God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave, for he will receive me. Man, that's good news. Yes, death is certain. But God will redeem me and receive me. Last week, Brian Powers did a great job talking about this idea that temptation seems to have authority over me, seems to have power over me, seems to have control over me. And the, the central verse in that was 1 Corinthians ten thirteen. Uh, he kind of rushed past it last week. We revisited this week. No temptation has overtaken you. That is not common to man, but God is faithful. And temptation is faithful, but so is God. <laughs> like temptation is going to keep coming, but God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. With the temptation, he'll also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. But God. 
Before we dive into this week's but God moment, I want us to really park on the beginning idea here, the the contrast before the but God hope in Psalm 73. We look at verse number 26. It says this, my flesh and my heart may fail. So again, as we look at this verse, we think, what's the culture's message for how to not fail? Work hard. That's your flesh. And believe in yourself. That's your heart. Which is really bad news if that's all we have to offer. Asaph is the writer of this psalm and he says, man, my flesh and my heart may fail. If you're a note taker or an underliner, I want you to circle that word fail. This is a powerful word in the Hebrew. It's the word kalah. It means to come to an end. It means to, to run out of resources. It means to be deplenished, to be depleted, to be exhausted, to run out, to fail. The thing that we are most afraid of, this text says, if I'm dependent on my strength, and if I'm dependent on my heart, work hard, believe in yourself. Well, that might just not get me where I want to go. Here's the interesting thing about the word kala, is it actually doesn't mean maybe. All of the modern translations of Psalm 73, verse 26, say may fail. If you look at the old English translations, they don't have the word may. And here's the thing, when you look in the Hebrew, the word may is not there. So again, if you're a note taker, I'd encourage you... Let's let's just kind of draw a line through this and, and talk about reality. My flesh, my heart, fail. And when we look at this word kalai, it does not mean might fail or maybe fail. The question is, does it mean past tense, present tense, or future tense? We got to ask ourselves, does it mean my flesh and my heart have failed? Does it mean my flesh and my heart are failing? Does it mean my flesh and my heart will fail? And here's the thing. It's not clear which tense exactly this is meant to be in the Hebrew. And I believe all of those fit. The reality is this. When I depend on my strength and I believe in myself, I have failed. And the areas in my life that I'm blind to today because I'm still just a normal human being, that I'm depending on my strength and that I'm believing in myself, I'm going to be presently failing in those. And in the future, the more I depend on me and believe in me, I'm going to experience more failure. My flesh and my heart fail. That's just reality. That's been my reality. That is my reality. And that'll be my reality tomorrow. If my goal in life is work hard and believe in yourself. Here's the thing. Sometimes I'm not good at working hard and don't know what I'm doing. And sometimes I've believed in myself when self actually had no clue what self was supposed to do. It's been the consistent story of my life. The areas where I've experienced the most pain were the the areas of my life I had the most faith in me. The regrets and scars that I carry today are moments that I had the, the highest sense of faith in self. I was working hard and I was believing in myself. So I want to zoom in on this, this reality of failure in what regards? Again, if you're a note taker, underline the word flesh. There is a physical component to this faith in my strength, in my work ethic, in my know-how. That physically, those of us who are over the age of 40, 
would say, my flesh definitely is failing. Right? Literally, I can't keep hair on top of my head. I've got body parts that hurt I didn't even know I had. Right? Can't lose weight like I used to. Right? My, my flesh is failing. Which means if all of my hope is in my ability to work hard, then I have a diminishing hope of success. If that's all I have to offer. But not just that my flesh has the inevitability of failing, of running out of resources. That's true of my heart as well. There's not just a physical component to exhaustion. There's an, an emotional and a spiritual reality that says, when I depend on me, I just find that that well is not very deep to draw from. When I'm trying to, to take all the emotional strength and spiritual strength from self, there's a shelf life to that, man. It might get you through some stuff, maybe. But eventually, you're going to find out I'm running in the negative here. If fear of failure is something that we all carry, and the message we're constantly being told is, work hard and believe in yourself. If God's word is true, that's not the pathway to avoid failure. That's actually the on-ramp to failure. <laughs> that's the fast track. That's the, the speedy lane, checkout lane for failure. Work hard and believe in yourself. Except when it doesn't work. And then, good luck. The question in this text is how does Asaph arrive at this, what could feel, if, if the verse truly ended here, could feel a little discouraging. How did he arrive at this awareness? Let's look at the first three verses of this psalm. Verse number one. God bless you. Verse number one. Truly God is good to Israel. To those who are pure in heart. That sounds like such a lovely verse until we read the tone of the rest of this song. He truly believes that God's good to Israel. He just himself is standing outside of that goodness in the rest of the song. Here's how a jaded uh, translation of this would be. Good for them. <laughs> God's good to other people. Those pure in heart people. Verse number two, we see the word but. <laughs> so God's good to, to Israel, but as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. Please hear me this morning. Hear this from my heart. But as for me will always lead to stumbling. As for me will always lead to slipping. When I center my life around me, that is not a secure foundation on which to build a life. When life is all about me, work hard, believe yourself. This is always the result of life that's all about me. If you want to be entertained this afternoon after your Father's Day festivities are over, go to YouTube and search Terrell Owens' I Love Me Some Me. You'll find multiple moments where Terrell Owens had a good play. I mean, he was, he was a freak of an athlete, right? He had a, a good play, walked off the sidelines, and the mic, the microphones caught him saying loudly, I love me some me. 
And before we judge him too harshly, we got to kind of admit, don't we all, T.O.? Our flesh really loves me some me. And the more I build a life that's all about me, the more I am setting myself towards failure. If we're afraid we're not going to make it, and then we make life about us. But here's what always happens when, when it's but as for me, we will always lead to what happens in verse number three. For I was envious. I love the irony of this. I was envious of the arrogant. What an arrogant thing to say. <laughs> right? When I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For sake of time this morning, we, we won't read this whole psalm. But for the next several verses... The next 12 verses, actually, he unpacks what he sees as injustice in the world. The prosperity of the wicked. They get away with the worst things. I've kept myself pure for no reason. Because, man, I'm envious. And here's the thing. A life that's centered on me will always lead to envy of they. When it's all about me... Life is not going to live up to that. I'm going to be jealous of what somebody else has or the attention they get or what they've accomplished or the possessions they've achieved. Being me-centered will always lead to being they envious. The great Tim Keller said every human society that has ever existed, whether it's a nation, a race of people, a church, basketball team, or a group of 8th grade girls has been characterized by pride at the top and envy at the bottom. And most of us would say we've experienced seasons of both. Where life was going our way and we had a whole lot of pride at the top and then where it wasn't and we had a whole lot of envy at the bottom. This is a life that's built around working hard and believing in self. But I want us to notice another but in this song, and that's verse 16. But when I thought how to understand this, that life wasn't fair, that things didn't go my way, it seemed to me a wearisome task until I went into the sanctuary of God. And the first thing he says I understood is that then I discerned their end. I found out that these wicked people are building a life on possessions and, and on temporary things. And it's all going to come to an end. They're eventually going to fail. And he came to that conclusion because he entered in the manifest presence of God. And all of a sudden he got some clarity. If I hope to make it. If I hope to not fail, then I'd better step in to the manifest presence of God and get some clarity about what's true and what's not true. He went to the sanctuary of God. Uh, John Tyson on his sermon on Psalm 73, the title of his sermon is attention leads to adoration. What I am focused on will guide my heart. He looked on the presence of God and 
everything changes. He went from being me-centered to they-centered to God-centered. And then he got some perspective. Which takes us back to our verse. My flesh and my heart fail. But God... That's where if you've got a highlighter, highlight that. You can draw an arrow towards it. You can circle it. You can whatever, wave it up in the air. But God, my flesh and heart fail. That's really bad news unless there's a better alternative. But God. But God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. My heart. My flesh. By the way, that's the same thing he's saying about those wicked people he was envious of. You know what he realized? This is true for all of us. All of us, when we depend on ourselves, we're all going to have the same ending. We're going to run out of resources. We're going to fail. But God. Here's the beauty of this incredible hope. But God is the strength of my heart. I want you to underline that word strength. Like this insecurity we've talked about in that word fail. You hear the alternative in strength? It's actually the Hebrew word that's translated rock. (laughs) It's not just that God's a better alternative. It's I go from fragile to secure. To rock solid. Right? But God is the unshakable foundation of my life. He's the rock. He's the strength. And the beauty that he's the rock and he's the strength is that means I don't have to pretend to be anymore. I don't have to pretend to be more strong than I actually am. Unfortunately, this whole notion of manhood in our culture today is that we're dishonest. We pretend to have it all together. We pretend to be more secure. We pretend to be more trustworthy. We pretend to be more solid. And the beauty of a life in a but God reality is I don't have to pretend to be stronger than I actually am. No, I've come to the end of my resources. What I've discovered in God is He's my rock. He's the one I can build my life on. I don't have to pretend to have it all together. As a matter of fact, the more I live, the more aware I am of how much not a rock I am and how much of a rock he really is. I ain't got to lie to you or to me because I have found in him that he's my strength. And that's such a contrast to, I think, most uh, religious experiences. A lot of people are gathering together in houses of worship all around the world today, pretending to be stronger than they are. We're here to put on the face that says, try harder, do better, be good. And inside we're like, I feel like my flesh and my heart are failing. And the beauty of the gospel is we come to him in our brokenness. He meets us in our failures. Our weaknesses are the beginning of our hope. He's the strength of our heart. Here's the thing. Your strength isn't really all that strong to begin with. Why would we depend on that? We're the little kid that's helping dad carry the heavy thing that's like, I'm helping. No, you're not, bro. You're cute. He is the strength of my heart. 
and my portion. Oh my goodness, that word portion. (laughs) Okay, as Americans, we know all about portion problems, right? (laughs) A couple weeks, Sunday before last, we, a group of us, were in the Dominican Republic on an incredible trip. Um, We hope to share more about that with you later, but um, one of the most powerful mission trips I've ever been a part of in my life. Um, but it's always humorous to me. It's the fourth or fifth time I've been in the Dominican in the last 12 months. The first time we went um, to the, the hotel where we stayed, we went down for breakfast and I ordered coffee. And they brought me this much coffee. It was like not an espresso. No, it, they thought that was coffee. It was a shot glass of coffee. Don't act like you don't know what a shot glass is. I see your social media. And so I said, no, 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 I, I, need, I need more, please. They bring me another one this big. And so I said, cinco café, por favor. And she went, cinco? And I said, yes, don't judge me. And so instead of doing five coffees and pouring them into one, like, American-sized mug, she brings me five separate additional cups. The best is one of my missionary friends had come down from his room at that point, and I was like, dude, start off big. So he ordered quattro. But he doesn't drink his black, because he's not a man like me. And so he orders some milk for his. Leche, por favor. She brought this much milk to the table. It's cards. Like, I thought we were being punked. I'm looking for the hidden camera. This can't be real. It was insane. We know all about portions, right? Asaph said, when I, when I made me the center of my universe, I was so jealous of everybody else's portion. Then I entered the presence of God and realized he is my portion. He's everything. What more could I need? What more could I want? I, I can't be the strength of my own heart. And I can't be my own portion either. And neither can you. Neither can my kids. Neither can my spouse. He is my portion. Jesus is everything I want. He's everything I need. He alone can satisfy the longings of my human heart. The riches that I want and that I need are found in him. And he's coming to that reality actually in the verse before this in the text. Look at verse 25. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth That I desire besides you. That is some clarity that will lead to making it. To not failing. To getting to the other side. God is the strength of my heart and my portion. John Piper said Jesus is better than anything life can give to us or death can take from us. Jesus is better. He is 
my portion. Work hard and believe in yourself. That is an unfillable cup. You will never be satisfied. But God is the strength of my heart and my portion. And here's the last word of the text. And I want you to underline this or circle it, highlight it, something forever. Come on. Okay. So if fail in the Hebrew means come to an end, guess what forever means? Not coming to an end. Like, it's not just like, uh, I think if, you, if you're like walking in Jesus, you might make it. No, no, no. We go from failing to forever. How's that for turning it on its head? How unshakable is that? How secure is that? This but God reality is I can build a life on me that's guaranteed to collapse. Or I can build a life on him, his strength, and his satisfaction of my soul. And literally nothing in the world can take that from me. Nothing can pull the rug out from underneath that. That's forever. That's how much that lasts. That's how opposite a failure that is because one day we'll get to see our strength face to face. We'll get to receive our portion in full. And then all those failures that we've experienced, I believe they're going to look so different from that perspective. C.S. Lewis said, when we get to heaven, it's not that we look back and see the reasons For all the bad things that happened. And we say, oh, that's why those bad things happened. Rather, we will say, what bad things? He said, in that moment, we will be so consumed with God's finished product, we will scarcely remember the process he used. That's a portion that will endure forever. In that moment, we will see even the failures as good gifts because they pressed us towards Jesus. The scars I carry of failure where I had great faith in self, I'm grateful for those failures because they robbed me of a little bit of self-dependence and pressed me towards a little bit more of God-dependence. And I'm grateful for every one of those scars. As a matter of fact, I wish I'd have learned some of those lessons a lot sooner and a lot younger. And I wish I was learning them at a faster pace today. The fact is this verse screams to my independence, confronts my faith in self and says, guess what, self? Your flesh and your heart will fail. Have failed. Are failing. But God is the strength of my heart. And he is my portion forever. I mentioned our trip to the Dominican Republic and what an incredible experience it was. Some great things happened on that trip. Um, Some really wonderful things happened on that trip. I love traveling with Kathy Wrench. 
I, uh, you know, one of the great joys of my life is watching other people get to know her. (laughs) Someone aggressively came to get me, appropriately so, and said, Kathy has fallen. They were appropriately concerned. I rounded the corner and I heard the loudest cackle that's ever been uttered on planet Earth. I thought, that doesn't sound like pain. And come over to the entrance of the bus and there's Kathy on all fours, laughing so hard she's crying. Because her her foot... Hey, hey I, did, I said crying. I only said crying. I didn't say anything else. If anything else happened in that moment, we're not going to talk about it from the platform. Because her foot got stuck and she tried to jump up, but that was hilarious. And so she just laid there and laughed. They're gussing my foot stuck. That wasn't one of the highlights of the trip, though. I just, I felt like that story needed to be shared. Um, The last morning of the trip before we went to the airport was actually the most powerful moment of the trip for me. Um, We were walking through the village of New Jerusalem, Haitian refugee village, and um, the ladies were doing some visits with expectant mothers, uh, checking on their nutrition levels. The men, we were walking with the Haitian pastor while he was trying to force us to have conversations with people in a language we don't speak. It's a little awkward. But then as we walked down this one path, we walked past a a full-blown voodoo altar. Candles going, people keeping watch over it. Actual worship of Satan. Like that's not just something that happens in biblical stories right here in 2023 a functioning voodoo altar but just a little bit further down that road stood this plywood house with white letters on the front if you'll put that picture up there and we'd all kind of had walked past this house and Ethan our 16 year old son had stopped he's trying to remember the Spanish that he's being forced to learn at Temple Christian School so we're kind of sounding this out together. Jehovah es mi pastor. Like, oh, the Lord is my shepherd. Okay, we got that. Because I didn't know what faltara I meant. That's I shall not want. I shall not want a plywood home with a dirt floor and no electricity and no running water. In a Haitian refugee village with an infant mortality rate that just breaks your heart. And their declaration on big letters on top of their plywood roof line is, I shall not want. What that is is somebody who has said, I'm not dependent on me. I've experienced that God is the strength of my heart and my portion Forever. And I just can't wait till that great day when that family 
receives their reward in the presence of the glory of God. My flesh, my heart have failed, are failing, and will fail. But God is the strength of my heart. He's my portion forever. Let's pray together. As we go to a spirit of prayer, I'm going to invite the band to come to the stage. I would ask you this morning, are there pieces of your heart today who are believing the message of the world around us? Is your dependence today on your hard work and your belief in yourself? If that's where your hope lies today, friend, I just challenge you to lay that down at the foot of the cross and say, God, I don't depend on me. And in all the areas that I do, please deliver me, set me free and grant me faith in you. Maybe today you would say, I... I'm convicted because I'm, I'm living in a but-as-for-me kind of mindset. Perhaps you'd say, I am indeed envious of other people's prosperity while I am just struggling. I, I want to give you an opportunity to respond if God's spoken to your heart today. Maybe today you would just say, Experiencing the pain of loss that I'm experiencing, I'm, I'm just asking God, I'm crying out to God today, give me faith to trust you as my rock. Give me faith to trust that you're my portion, you are enough. If I have you, I have all I could need. And I would say this to you, friend, if, if, you, if you just need a prayer of encouragement this morning or a moment of confession and you want to talk to somebody as we sing this Final declaration of faith. I'll be down front. Lance is down front. We've got some folks in the prayer room in the back. If you're worshiping online, you can always text PRAYFW to 94000. We want to give you a chance to respond as God has spoken to your heart. As you would listen to the sound of my voice, I would just speak this over you. Every week of this But God series, we've reminded ourselves of this glorious news in in the midst of a, a text that's talking about our failures in our sin. The Apostle Paul says, but God shows his love toward us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Our frailty, our failure, it's the beginning of hope for us. It's where we experience the rescue of grace.